Welcome to the Vandy Sports Podcast. Our guest today, Ron Lang. Ron is the author of A Season of Homecomings, Living, Learning, and Loving Every School in the SEC. He went to all 14 campuses during last football season. Ron will join us to talk about his experience with that book and particularly his time at Vanderbilt. We are without a title sponsor on this podcast. If you are interested in helping us out here, email me please at chrislee70 at gmail.com. Our news presented by Sutherland and Belk, a Nashville-based injury law firm. Sutherland and Belk is committed to fighting for those who've been injured in car, motorcycle, and truck accidents. Check them out at sbinjurylaw.com. Well, in case you missed it, earlier in the week, Mason Hickman signed with Cleveland. He was picked in this past MLB draft, signs at something around slot. So good luck to Mason Hickman with the Indians. Our guest line is brought to you by our friends at Bowling Branch, started by Vanderbilt graduates Scott and Missy Tannen. Had no clue how comfortable sheets could be until I got them. They are fair trade certified, meaning they are made under safe conditions by men and women treated and paid fairly. Try them free for a month. You can return them, but you won't want to. Once you get the sheets, try the mattress. That was voted the best mattress of 2018. Go to BowlingBranch.com, that's spelled B-O-L-L, enter the promo code Vandy, and get $50 off your first set of sheets. Ron Lang is our guest on the show today. He is the author of a book he has just published called A Season of Homecomings, Living, Learning, and Loving Every School in the SEC. Ron, hope you are well. Thank you for joining us today. I'm doing great, Chris. Thank you for having me. Now, I've got to start here outside the book. We were talking off air. Um, there's some weather trouble headed our way. You live in West Texas, but these uh, Sahara storms or whatever they call them, I, I think, are very real, aren't they? They sure are. I actually have a, a sinus infection from it. Uh, thankfully, I'm, I tested negative for, for COVID-19, but uh, this has uh, knocked me back a little bit, but Hopefully, before too long, I'll get through it, and hopefully it doesn't affect you guys too, too terribly bad. Well, I hope you are feeling well. Sorry to hear about the sinus infection, but we've got some exciting stuff to talk about today. I've got a copy of your book. Now, I just got it this week, and I've not been able to read through all of it yet. I've read through the Vandy part and some of the other parts. We'll get into those in a minute, but I wanted to first give you a chance to explain your background to folks. You played at Kentucky You've coached at several levels on the high school and college fronts. So tell people where you're coming from as you write this book. Well, I, I actually grew up in Louisville, Kentucky. Uh, and as you said, I'm an alumni of University of Kentucky. And I've always been a big SEC fan uh, all the way back since I first could make a conscious choice. Um, I was introduced to Kentucky basketball through my grandfather, uh, but I was always a football guy. And I was fortunate enough to start seeing a little bit more, uh, some more of the teams in the conference. And I fell in love with the SEC early on uh, at the beginning of the 80s. And I've always kept up with the SEC, whether I was coaching or being a part of the SEC. If I was in other leagues, I would keep up with the SEC. And uh, this project was something that I wanted to do because I feel like uh, people talk, there's an SEC envy or there's a negative connotation outside of the Southeast about the SEC, whether it be they're cheaters or they're not good in academics or they're this or they're that. And I, I wanted to put each school in a true and positive light 
and let people maybe in the SEC that haven't been to other schools or don't know much about the other schools to learn about them, but also people outside of the SEC footprint where they can say, okay, no wonder people love that. There's a lot of good things there in the SEC. Well, I'm jumping ahead a little bit, but I find in your book, a lot of what you do is try to immerse people in that culture. And you spend a lot of time discussing academics and things at schools that aren't necessarily football. And I really felt like you were trying to bring the entire experience to folks in your book. I really was because um, the, uh, similar to what we're dealing with in our country right now, we talk, uh, you know, people keep talking about race, but that, that really has very little to do with who people are as people. And uh, these schools are not just the football teams uh, as much as uh, sometimes we, we look at the football teams first and maybe even appreciate them more than other aspects. There's so much more to these schools. And so my goal was, to really talk about the schools, a little bit about the history of the schools, also the towns that they're in uh, and that how they coincide. Uh, but it was really just something that I wanted folks to be able to dive deep into each school and understand their conference, our conference, uh, or if they're outside of, of our pr- footprint, like I said, that people can say, okay, so this is why it just means more, or this is, this is why people are so passionate about these schools and these places and these teams. And there's so much at each school that I couldn't even put in the book uh, because there's so many things there, uh, but there's so much to like about every school. And in academics, you know, we'll, we'll look at certain states and say, they're not very good academically, but these universities, I mean, they may not be Harvard and Yale, but there's some good universities in our conference. And, and it's something that I really feel like once we know a little bit more about them, we'll have more pride for the other school. Ron, our sorry to interrupt you there. The connection cut out for just a second. But I wanted to ask you, where did the idea for this project start? And just talk about the process of getting this off the ground. Well, like I mentioned, I was, I've was i been a longtime SEC guy. And when I started writing books, I knew that there was one day I was going to write a book in this manner about the SEC. I wanted it to be more than just the games and the teams. And so there was, it was a, the fall of 2018. I was listening to the radio sports talk show. And I heard them say that the 2019 season would be 14 weeks long right away. Bang. It hit me. There's 14 schools in the sec. This is my year. I'm coming back to the sec in 2019. It's going to be a season of homecoming. It was going to offer me an opportunity to go to each campus, not just to see each team play a game, but to go to each school's home campus and watch a home conference game at that school. So I had been to all but two schools in the SEC. Uh, One of them that I had not been was Missouri. Uh, Ironically, the other that I had not been to was Auburn. Uh, When I was at University of Kentucky, we only played it once. And it happened to be in Lexington. So um, I thought that that was somewhat ironic since I've, I've been an SEC guy for so long. But uh, I, I knew that 2019 was going to be the season of homecomings. Ryan, I'm thinking through that as an author. And there are two things I'm thinking. One is that sounds like a lot of fun. 
I guess there's three things I'm thinking. Two thing, and number two would be that sounds like it could get really expensive. And number three, that sounds like that could get exhausting because you're trying to do logistics and you're also trying to write down your memories and record everything you can while you're in the middle of it, uh, which can be difficult to do as you try to soak things in. Uh, what were the biggest challenges you had as you put this together? Well, it, it was, uh, you're correct in all three of those observations. Uh, it was a lot of fun. Uh, it also was a lot of work. And it was also, you know, costly. Uh, but I started saving up and, and planning for that. My other books did not, uh, that I've written, did not have the intensity, I guess you would say, or, or uh, so much information to do over a long period of time. Uh, I was gone from my home from the last week of August to the second week of December because I live in deep South Texas. And it was, I mean, I'm six hours to A&M and they're the closest school to me. And I drove the whole way. So uh, for me to come back for one day and drive, I mean, it, it would all be eaten up by drive time. So uh, my wife was probably happy to get me out of the house for three months, but uh, it was long. Uh, the most difficult part, which was also part of the fun and part of the experience was I was very spontaneous about things. Um, I did set up places to stay, but in terms of tailgates or places to see, uh, places to eat around the towns and the campuses, uh, I let that be spontaneous. So it was difficult to find good places and good things to write about without knowing. And, uh, but you know, the funny part about that is as difficult as it was after a couple of days, now not the tailgates, cause that was at the end of the week, but after a couple of days, you get a really good feel of the campus and find your way around and, and, and you know where you're going. But those first couple of days were really difficult to find out where to park. Um, you know, little things like that that you don't think of become difficult. Where do I park without getting a ticket or a boot or get my car towed? Um, so once you find those, those first two days were, were somewhat uh, – there was a lot of anxiety there. You know, that was tough to deal with. But once you – get the lay of the land, then it really started flowing after that. Yeah, and I know that one of the things in the Vanderbilt chapter that you had an issue with was getting a ticket and getting in the stadium on time. How many moments like that were there that you thought, hey, this thing may crash and burn uh, because I can't get X or Y? So I'll be honest with you, uh, Vanderbilt was was my first week. Uh, I was very fortunate that the first two weeks that there was a conference game uh, scheduled, uh, so Vanderbilt and Georgia that first week was the only conference game. And so when I dealt with that, I thought, here we go. It's going to be 14 weeks to this mess. Um, and I wrote, uh, I was fortunate to have, uh, well, I had a ticket to the University of Kentucky game, had my own ticket there. But uh, some of the other places, a uh, coach or a contact or someone I knew would would give me a ticket. Uh, actually, at Mississippi State, uh, I had a ticket. Uh, I was informed that I could get on the faculty website and purchase a ticket two weeks early at a reduced price. So I did that, and I show up in Mississippi State, and a guy ends up giving me a better ticket. So um, those things really were – there was a lot of anxiety around that that first week when I was at Vandy. Um, I, I think a lot of that had to do with 
with the Georgia fans that, that showed up in such big numbers and ate up all the extra tickets and they weren't giving them away. But um, the toughest, toughest part, I would say, what would be parking and, and then sometimes I didn't I, I wouldn't learn about the parking on game day until game day so so that was really difficult but I, I got to meet a lot of fantastic people that would help me and, and direct me or assist me uh, with a ticket or parking or or uh, greatest tailgates to go to and and so you know it's it's that's really to me the most underrated thing about the Southeastern Conference are the people. And so when I was indoctrinated in some of these groups, it made things so much easier and so much more enjoyable. It was wonderful to get to get to meet people across the league and get to know them. Ron, let's talk about the experience at Vanderbilt. You were there for the Georgia game. As you mentioned, I know you made a lot of your impressions of the campus and this, the game day experience. Those things made their way into the book. But sometimes you have some things that don't make it into the book. Just share your thoughts on Vanderbilt, either the things that you wrote about and maybe some extra things about that experience that didn't make it into print. So, you know, writing about what I did write about are some of the traditions and uh, the game day experience, like you mentioned. It, it's, I think it's wonderful and unique at every school. Um, you might look at certain schools like Alabama or Florida or some that we look at as the the best teams in the country that could rival anyone around the country. But, I mean, the other schools in our league that are still competitive, they're also competitive on a traditions front. And, you know, the, the, the Star Walk, I mean, I think Vanderbilt fans would be very proud to hear this, that there was a lot of Georgia fans that would that followed me, not necessarily like a Pied Piper, but uh, they would be behind me or, or passing me, and I would hear them talking about, yeah, I want to come and see this. And, and so um, I didn't grow up a Vanderbilt fan. I'm an SEC guy, so I, obviously it was, it was a team that I rooted for. But I was proud to hear other fans say, I want to see this. I want to experience this. And I, I hope Vanderbilt fans are proud of that too because I thought that that was really neat that, I mean, not just – another conference school, but someone in the division wants to experience this. And they've heard, obviously heard good things about it and they want to see it for themselves. Uh, and another thing that didn't, didn't make it into the book that, that I would like fans to know is, you know, I met some Vanderbilt players throughout the week, uh, just being around uh, at times I was around the stadium or the practice fields and uh, they'd be coming from class or going to class there was a lot of, uh, and I hate to use this this word right after I used the word class, but there were a lot of classy people that play for Vanderbilt. And I, I think that the Vandy fans should be very proud of the, the types of student athletes that they have on campus. Uh, they were they were great people. I met a player from Arizona, a player from Georgia, uh, and there was one from Tennessee as well, the, the three that I have in mind. They were fantastic guys. They were just friendly, uh, nice. Um, you could tell that they had a, had a good intellect and a good head on their shoulders, and and you can also tell that they're going to be successful when they leave Vanderbilt University. And so I think that there's a there's a huge combination there. I think that the individuals are, are probably good people going in, but Vanderbilt fine tunes that, and and so uh, those two things didn't necessarily make it into the book, but I think that the 
definitely worth telling that there's a lot of good people, a lot of good student athletes around the university. The fan favorites section was interesting. You selected position groups on both sides of the ball that you thought were Vanderbilt's best. You also included some of your favorites that you watched outside of those. So some of it was your opinion. Some of it was fan feedback. Tell folks about that. Yes, sir. So at the, at the end of each chapter, uh, I chose a position group on each side of the ball that I felt like was the strongest position group for that school. And so um, that's where my opinion came in. I chose linebackers and running backs for Vanderbilt. And what I did was throughout the history, I chose 10 major contributors. I tried to sprinkle it throughout the history at each position. So linebackers, you'll see examples. You'll see 10 examples of great players throughout Vanderbilt football history. Same with running backs. What I did to really inject my opinion as far as players go or other position groups on that side of the ball. I chose people like Earl Bennett that I watched play that were my favorites at that position. So it's not necessarily saying that was the best player, but it was someone that I enjoyed watching compete uh, at their position. Uh, And at the end is the fan favorites. There's also a section that has fan favorites as far as home games and and where those entries came from, or when I was on campus, I would talk to people and I would ask them about their favorite memories or favorite players. And so anytime that you see fan favorites throughout a chapter or throughout the book, it's actually from what I call unofficial polls done while I was on campus from Vanderbilt fans. So they would tell me about stories of beating Tennessee at home or um, say watching they cut or play. So when they mention players and they have good, strong memories of when this player did that, or I loved watching him play throughout his career, or this was my favorite game I've been to, whether it be because they were with their grandfather or, you know, maybe they rushed the field in an instance or something like that. Those are the ones that I put in the book. And I, I think it's for me looking at it as if I was just a reader of the book, it's something that I could look at and say, Man, that's really neat to know what town and what school's fan base, what what moments they love the most, where they had the most fun. Let's look back at history and where were the where were the biggest moments, or what were the players that that people are really endeared to, and and some of those players were a little bit more than just when you look throughout the book. It wasn't just their play. Obviously, they were great players, but sometimes fan bases love a player because of they came back and they're either on the, on the radio network or they've done a lot of good in the community. And, and so I thought it was, it was pretty neat to be able to share that. And then, you know, uh, I guess writer's privilege, I was able to, to put some of my own opinions in it. And I enjoy the fact that each school has a position group that we talk about uh, on each side of the ball, because that's something that we can all sit down and debate and, uh, those are fun things to do, but it's also, I look at it and, it and it falls in line with the chapters. Chapters were meant to be positive accounts so that people could understand the schools. And I look at that and I say, I really hope that Clemson fans or Michigan fans or even say Arkansas fans look at that and say, goodness gracious, there's been a lot of good linebackers that have come through 
Vanderbilt. Uh, and just remind us how much talent and how many good players have come through these schools and, and, and just think a little bit more about the history. Uh, like I said, I was an SEC fan in the 80s, and I enjoyed, I've enjoyed watching these players for 40 years. And so I'm, I'm sure there's other people that could say, well, shoot, I can remember this good player from the 70s and the 60s. And, 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 and those are things that, that I enjoy doing. I, I know we all like the, the preseason magazines and seeing you know, who they choose as the all-conference teams and things like that. And I think it'll bring back some good memories for people. Ron, you have listed in your book, I think 28 players is sort of your favorites, if I understand this. You've listed 10 linebackers, 10 running backs, and then four guys on offense and four on defense that were your favorites. Uh, Put you on the spot here a little bit. Is there one guy that you liked more than anybody else? Again, this is not necessarily the best player, but these are your favorites. Or maybe if you can't narrow it to one, two, or three, but I'm just curious as to who you like the best and why. Well, I would say the, the 10 players for each position group, those, those that have been there, they're not necessarily my favorites. Um, I will tell you this. Um, so Jordan Matthews was always a guy that, that I'm like, and it's, it's hard to beat that guy. He was, he was phenomenal. He made some catches. Uh, this is kind of coach speak, but I actually have a picture on my wall of SEC players. And the one I chose for Vanderbilt was Jordan Matthews catching a, the back half of the football. So what that means is, you know, the ball is somewhat past him already, and he caught the back half of it, which is very hard to do. Uh, and I just thought he was a phenomenal player. Uh, I do have Will Wolford listed, but I'll tell you why. I, I like watching Will Wolford because I'm an offensive line guy, and he's from Louisville like I was, and, and I was a good player there at uh, Vanderbilt. So, um, but – my, probably if I was to choose my favorite all-time Vanderbilt football player would be Corey Chavis. I just thought he was phenomenal. Uh, I really loved the way that he played. He played aggressive, but it wasn't, as you see a lot of DBs now where, you know, you could call interference every other time that they're in coverage. I just thought he was phenomenal. Uh, he was, he was good in run support. Uh, obviously he was, it was a good pass defender as well. And, and it was just, he was probably the first person from Vanderbilt that I watched play that I thought he could play anywhere, meaning not just any conference, not just any school in our conference, but he could play anywhere in the league too. Uh, he was a, a phenomenal talent. Yeah, that's funny that you mentioned Corey. Corey's a friend of mine, a, a great human being. And of course, now he makes his living doing draft stuff. But I remember watching Corey, and sometimes with players, with great players, there's two ways I think you kind of know they're great. You know, sometimes they just make plays and they pop off the page. But sometimes, for instance, with defensive backs, uh, sometimes they get beat, and it's notable because they don't ever get beat. And I remember watching Corey get beat deep against Georgia one time when he was at Vanderbilt, and it shocked me because that just didn't happen to him. And I'm with you. I think Corey is one of the all-time underrated players at Vanderbilt. And I think he got his due later when he played in the league for a decade, but I don't know at the time that people really appreciated him for what he was. Absolutely. And, you know, as, as far as defensive backs, one of the things that endeared me more to him is usually you don't hear about them uh, being a hammer or someone that comes up and can really lay the wood to somebody and have a, have a big hit. Uh, he, he, 
he certainly could. And I really appreciated that about him. And it's really great to hear. I've never met him, but it's great to hear that he's such a good human being too. Yeah, he really is. Let's talk about other schools for a minute. Just we're not going to go through all 13 other schools, but give me a story or something that stood out either in general as you visited the other campus or maybe something specific about a school that you think fans would enjoy hearing. Well, I'll tell you my, my favorite story of the whole trip was at Mississippi state. Um, and, and that might surprise people, but once I tell you, you'll understand why I was so happy to experience this. Uh, God graced me in a lot of ways on this trip. Uh, things that were presented to me, it just, I happened to be there at the time that they happened. It was fantastic. In Starkville, we're watching the game, and I believe it was the second half, but as all the schools do, a salute to service, not just, not just in November, but throughout the season, uh, because I was actually in Starkville in, in October, and so they bring a gentleman out who's a veteran and he has prosthetic legs and he's in a wheelchair and they rolled a red carpet out and they pushed him out and, and people cheered for him. And, um, he, he had his head down and, you know, he, he slowly started to erect himself and then he put an arm up in the air and you could tell it was emotional for him. And it was emotional for me. And it was almost as if, as if he was soaking the applause into his heart and, and he put his arm up and the cheering got louder. And, and I, I'm not a, afraid to tell you that I was clapping, but I was also crying at the time. And you could see the, the television, the timeout clock winding down. It was under 30 seconds. And they get behind his chair to nudge him. And he just slightly put his hands on the wheels of the wheelchair to stop him. And he shoved himself up out of the seat and he walked off the field. And as a player that's been injured, as a coach that's seen injuries, that's a big thing to be able to walk off that field. And this gentleman did that. And, and I get a – found more information about him that he had thought about taking his own life. He had gone through a lot of situations. And I could tell at the time that it meant something a little more to him he had never been to the state of Mississippi until they invited him in and he comes in. And as I, I can vividly recall it now, I look at him and I see him putting his arms up and I felt like that was giving him a purpose for his life. And, and it changed him and it changed me. And it was just a fantastic moment that I was proud to be a part of, uh, proud of this country. Pardon me. And, and proud to, to have someone like that represent us, uh, proud to be a part of a moment uh, to lift him up as much as he lifted us up that day. Yeah, I've got chills just hearing you tell that. And this has been a rough time for the country in the South. And the things that divide people are the things that are getting more attention in the media. And yeah, sometimes you go to SEC venues as an opposing fan, and it's not a pleasant experience. But it just seems to me like there is a good bit of hospitality and kind of look after other folks uh, that you see at times too, that does warm your heart a bit. It really does. And, and I talk to a lot of different people. I love people. I love to, to get to know them, which I think is, is part of our problem nowadays is that we don't open up our ears and listen to folks and get to know them and, and who they really are. But 
Um, I will be honest with you. When I was on my trip, I asked a lot of people. Uh, it was unofficial. As I told them, it was off the record. You know, how are things? How are relations? You know, have things gotten better? Have they gotten worse? How do you feel about them? And overwhelmingly, I had people respond to me in positive lights. This is my home. I love this place. The people are wonderful. Uh, you know, a lot of people talk about Ole Miss, some of the, the Confederate symbols and statues there. I happened to talk to a couple of twins that were just down the road from Batesville. And they told me, they said, no, this, I wouldn't change all this. We have knuckleheads that come in here and protest on, on both sides. And that's not who we are. Those people aren't from here. And, and, and I bring that up not to start a debate or anything, but just to tell you that, as you know, being in the South, I mean, we love each other. And there's a lot about the towns and the schools and things that we love. And they told me those things because, hey, this is Ole Miss. We don't look at it as hate. This is our home. No one's ever treated us badly. And, and I just, I, I love to hear those stories. And it wasn't so much that, whew, what a relief. I mean, it's good. It was more of, yes, that's the South that I know. And that's the South that I love. And I'm glad that it hasn't changed despite what, you know, some media may tell us. Ron, let's go to the mailbag, get some questions from the audience, if that's okay with you. Absolutely. Our mailbag is sponsored by Vanderbilt fan Josh Minton, an independent insurance agent operating out of Brentwood who can take care of your insurance needs. Call him today at 615-933-1979. Email him at josh at hqinsurance.com. Follow him on Twitter at joshumintonhq or facebook.com forward slash jdmintonhq. He's my insurance agent. Give it a try and tell him you heard about Josh and his business here. This one from Door King, he says, seems like writers customarily save the best part of their book for last. What made you decide to approach your book in such a contrarian manner? I think he's saying that tongue-in-cheek. Obviously, Vanderbilt let off your book. So why did you pick Vandy first? Well, absolutely. I, 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 I like that he says that. You know what? That, that's a good, strong, confident Vandy fan there. And, and, uh, and I'm proud of that. Uh, just like we were talking about the Star Walk. Uh, you got to be proud of, of people that are strong and confident and excited about their team. But thank you for the question. It, it is uh, the way that I did it was uh, I, I knew that, that I needed to go to every campus uh, one week at every campus. And I also wanted to make it a conference game. So for instance, obviously, like we discussed earlier, Vanderbilt was first because it was the only conference game that week. Uh, the second, Second weekend was over this because that was the only conference game that we I continued throughout the season. Honestly, the schedule was one of the hardest parts, uh, trying to make to certain games and not miss other games and seeing the teams as many times as I could. Uh, I, I actually took a couple months working on the schedule uh, to figure out how to do it. Uh, I ended with, the Iron Bowl, Alabama at Auburn. I had not been to an Iron Bowl. I was very fortunate to be 
at an Iron Bowl in Auburn, Alabama, when Auburn won and rolled the trees. You know, that's a tradition that we, uh, I've always wanted to experience. So that was, it was one of those things where I was taking care of uh, being able to see that. And I was blessed to have that to be part of the book. But in terms of scheduling, it was, it was really based on um, trying to see as many teams or, or see all the teams at home and to do it in the most effective manner. And sometimes that meant that I would have long drives uh, as opposed to short drives, but I, I didn't want to see a team on the road four or five, six times. Um, and I know that's a lot, but I was trying to mix it up. So that's how it all, all came, came down to it. And that's actually how Vanderbilt became the, the, my first location. How long did it take for you to decide on that order? Cause I'm thinking that's going to involve a, a spreadsheet or a word document or something with like all the options there and, you know, things crossed off and <laughs> all sorts of things. I'm, I'm thinking the process of selection had to be a little arduous. It was. Um, the first thing, I mean, just uh, when I did decide that it was all going to be conference games, uh, when I, I saw that was an opportunity. Uh, so, so that narrowed it down. Then I was able to find a way that I could see every single team at home. So that narrowed it down. And I jockeyed with it for a long time. When I get home at night, I would spend four or five hours, you know, and I would have tenants that I would move around. It was, <laughs> it was, it, it was really kind of funny how I did it. My wife would look at me and she'd laugh. I had post-it notes everywhere. And the ironic thing about it was that I came up with the schedule that I did um, probably within the first couple of weeks. And I kept trying to adjust it. Um, and I'll tell you, the one game I wanted to see was Auburn and Florida because that's a good rivalry game that doesn't come around as often as it used to. And so I kept trying to adjust it for that game. And every time I would, there would be one less team that I would see on the road. And I would adjust it another way. Okay, now there's five teams that I don't that I only see at home and not on the road. And I said, you know, it, after about two months of that, I finally said, I've, I've looked at it every which way I could. I have to go back to my original that I had set and, and go with it. Ron, I'm flipping through the book as you're talking. I, I got to tell you, if there's ever a second printing this book, this is something you need to do. I, I think there was a missed opportunity uh, not to have the screenshot of somewhere of, of the war room of your process in that book somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I'm a fairly tidy person. So it, during the process, it would look awful. But at the end of, uh, of a night going through all that, I would clean it all up. And, uh, but I'm also somewhat of a hoarder because I would save all my post-its and I would look at it and say, I've already done that four times. So let me just throw that away. That one's not working. So it, it, was, it was silly. People, people would have had a good laugh seeing me go through that. Ron, last question from Vandy Fitz, and I really like this one, by the way. He says, I hope this isn't the case, but given the uncertainty of COVID, do you worry that the book may become a history of the great days as they once were? He says, I'm thrilled to have a book on this topic, and I envy you for your research in the process last season. Well, that's a fantastic question, and uh, I, honestly, I, I worry about a lot of, a lot of things uh, that are going on in our country now and, and what it may change. Uh, hopefully that it, you know, we get more good change than, 
than lost history. But what I, I think what, what COVID really concerns me with now is just immediate future and our, our football season that even though we're still say two months away, a month and a half away, I am, I'm concerned about it. And um, I, I think that there's a, a huge opportunity. I shouldn't say opportunity. We don't have a normal season, whether it or even even less than that. Uh, and then the reality of possibly not having fans at the game, which, like I mentioned before, I think the fans are really, really, really what makes the Southeastern Conference that much better. Um, so that concerns me. Long term, uh, that's part of why I wrote the book. Is because uh, it, it has some history in it. You know, it has some some recent stuff in it, also. But I I want to to document those things because there's so much good that I that not all of us get to see, and I, and I didn't get to see a lot of it before I went on this trip and this journey. And I wanted to document those things, uh, like the games. I didn't feel like people wanted me to rehash the game totally. But at the same time, in nine or 10 years, they're going to want to know, well, well, heck, you were there. What happened at the game? That was the biggest event. So, so I did put some about the game. Um, and, and to go further into answering the question, when I really think about it, I don't worry about our history changing in the Southeastern Conference in America uh, because there is so much more good than bad. And uh, I think that, that when we look at it, we look at the good and we're going to hold on to the good and we're going to expand on that. And in our conference, there's so much good academically, socially, research-wise, athletically, obviously. Uh, and we have increased, since I've been in school, we've increased, in my opinion, um, the quality of individuals that not only are in leadership positions, but that are students, that are athletes. And, and I'm really uh, proud of what the Southeastern Conference offices have done as far as inclusion with the student athletes and bringing them in and having them tell the conference officials, this is what we need, or this is what we're doing good. This is what will help us develop further. And so my end answer would be, that no, I don't worry about it because I, I feel like we're going to hold on to all those good things and that we're going to make things better. So uh, change isn't always bad. I think we're going to hold on to the good and the things that we change, I think are going to be made better. And I'm looking forward to that. Well, it's hard to speak out on things right now. And obviously the, the country has got some issues. The South has a racial history that I think that most of us the overwhelming majority are not proud of. And I think that the times have opened our eyes to some things and there's some films out there and some things that you can watch that I think can educate you more on what needs to be changed. I would er encourage people to do that, but it's funny to me because I see the public narrative and how things happen in social media and what gets covered in the news and, and not saying that those things aren't valid because they are, those are the things that are ripping our country apart but at the same time, when I talk to people individually, and I live in a neighborhood, um, my kids go to schools where whites, I'm not going to say they're in the minority, 
but it's I don't think whites make up 50 percent of the school. And so my kids are exposed to all kinds of different things. And our neighborhoods like that, too. We've we've got um, minorities on each side of us down the block. And, and we know people in this neighborhood. You see them out and walking. I think when you talk to people as individuals, there's a whole lot more that brings us together, at least where I am, than divides us. And I get that you got the same sense of that in your travels across the SEC. And I'm with you. That is my hope for the country, that some sort of sanity and empathy for your fellow human being is what wins out. I'm, I am concerned about the future of our country, but I do see hope in pockets that's away from the media spotlight. Oh, I really do, too. I mean, uh, I, I think it's a uh, the media is not going to tell us about people that don't think for or that that uh, that actually think for themselves and they they see that with within each other. I, I I feel that the narrative is is there's an agenda behind it, uh, and honestly, that's 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 what I look at when we keep hearing about these teams taking their players to register to vote. I think that's a great thing, good for them. But just registering to vote or voting doesn't actually mean that we're going to change for the better. What, what we really need is education in a sense of learning about people. If we can get educated neighbors, like you'd mentioned, our classmates, you know, people that we meet out in public, but also be educated in the voting process. Um, what are these people doing for us? And, uh, and, and so I guess my thing there is we just need to, to be more open-minded and, and, and look for answers, look for information and find that information because uh, the more educated we are, I mean, um, any kind of bigotry or racism in my mind is ignorance, which is a, an absence of knowledge. And, and so I look at it in terms of you know what? We we just need to to learn more about people and see where they're coming. Even honestly, the the biggest part of that, in my 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 personal opinion, is we need to learn the people's opinions that differ from ours. We need to learn the reasonings behind that because if we had some of the same reason reasonings that they had to think that way, we may also think that way. And uh, so let's just. Let's just be open-minded and, and be educated with each other. And 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 the funny part about that, I tell people all the time. Uh, my wife is Hispanic, and uh, there's I'm, I'm white. There's people in my family that are black, and and I look at that and I say, you know, thank the Lord that I don't have that mindset because look at everything that I would have missed out on if if I hated someone because of their race or or, or even their political party. Or, or even, <laughs> and, and kind of make it a little bit more positive. Even if they're not SEC fans, I can't hate them. Uh, you know, just and I, I say that tongue in cheek, but uh, we, bias to me is the worst four-letter word out there. And um, I, the one thing that I am biased about is the SEC. I'm trying to get better with that. Uh, but I mean, if there's other conferences. There's other, honestly. Um, I'd love to do a book similar to this for every other conference. And the one tradition that I want to see more than any is going to Iowa and the Iowa fans waving at the children's hospital. I think that would be phenomenal to be a part of and to witness. So, um, uh, you know, I kind of rounded it back to sports, 
hopefully that that could be a big healing agent for all of us but um, just be open and, and be more educated about each other i mean even within our races right um just just love on each other and and be open and and more honest with each other I don't think I could have said that better, so I won't try. And with that, Ron, I think we'll close the show today. But I wanted to give you a chance to tell people where to find your book, where they can reach out to you on social media or anything like that in case people want to get in touch with you. The floor is yours to promote your work as we end the show today. Certainly. Well, I appreciate that. And uh, I appreciate being able to, to talk with the Vandy fans and, and uh, other SEC fans in the Nashville area. My book is, I self-published it on Amazon. It's called A Season of Homecomings, uh, Living, Learning, and Loving Every School in the SEC. So you can find it on Amazon by either typing in A Season of Homecomings, or you can also type in my name, Ron Lang, L-A-N-G. And what you'll find is it'll bring up all of my works that I've, that I've published on Amazon. And also, if, if you would like to purchase a copy of it, from your bookstore, uh, it it has been published uh, through another entity um, that supplies bookstores and libraries. So if it is not at your bookstore, all you have to do is go to your favorite bookstore, tell them the title and the author's name, A Season of Homecomings by Ron Lang, and it will be in their database where they can order and have it at their bookstore. Uh, one thing I would say I'd love for people to do, especially if they order it off of Amazon, I would love for folks to, to leave a review, an honest review. Uh, let me know what you think. Kind of go back to what I just said. Uh, we can't get better as, unless people are open and honest with us and let us know, you know what their thoughts are. So I would love for people to leave me a review on Amazon. And uh, feel free. Uh, I do have a Facebook page, Coach Ron Lang. Uh, I'm also on Instagram under A Season of Homecomings. So you can follow me there uh, on both of those pages especially here in the next month. I'm going to start posting some more pictures of my trip. Um, if you're on Instagram, you'll be able to go back through and find a lot of pictures and videos uh, through the season. Uh, but I'm going to be posting more than uh, And I'm also going to have some, some excellent from some of the other chapters as well. So, But I really appreciate your time. I hope everyone enjoys the book. Uh, if if you get it and enjoy it, I'd certainly also love for you to, to recommend it to someone you know. He is Ron Lang, author of A Season of Homecomings, Living, Learning, and Loving Every School in the SEC. Ron, thank you for joining us. God bless you. Have a wonderful Fourth of July weekend, and we appreciate you being on the show today. Same to you, Chris. I certainly appreciate you having me. Enjoy your show. All right. He's Ron Lang. I'm Chris Lee, host of the Vandy Sports Podcast. Thanks for listening. We'll be back with more episodes next week.